0: Hello and welcome to the Reformational Anglican Podcast, uh, the podcast that delves into the riches of uh, the Anglican faith for the good of the church today. And your hosts today, as always, are myself, Ryan Scott, and with me is Sam Pillow. And today we're talking about a subject that uh, a lot of people uh, find interesting, Um, sometimes you hear it debated and discussed, and that is Christ's descent into hell. Uh, So this, of course, we, we read about it in Article 3. And it's picked up from the Apostles' Creed, uh, which says that Jesus uh, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and he descended into hell. And then Article 3 itself of the 39 articles picks up on this idea. And it seems like they wanted to reinforce this notion. So they said, as Christ died for us and was buried, so also it is to be believed that he went down into hell. And so we're going to think a little bit today about what uh what do we make of that what does that mean um how should we understand it uh, is there a specific anglican way that we should understand it or are we open to a variety of uh, sort of interpretations and the whole issue is a little bit confused for us because uh, the word hell uh, in english um is used whenever a number of different words in the bible were translated into the english so it is, whenever that's translated uh, becomes known as hell uh, gehenna when it's translated comes known as hell and Tartarus whenever it's translated comes translated as hell. So this these three different uh, ideas or three different locations or whatever whatever they are uh, they all are sort of grouped under this idea of hell, which I think makes the whole thing a little bit harder to understand. So let's think a little bit. First of all, what was Hades? So Hades uh, is the Greek word for Sheol, um, which is really just the sort of place of the dead. So you think about Luke 16, the rich man Lazarus, and the rich man goes uh, to Hades whenever he, whenever he dies. And uh, in the Septuagint, whenever it translates the place of the dead, the Old, Old Testament word Sheol, it tends to translate Sheol as Hades in Greek. Uh, the same concept comes up, uh, this, this same idea of this place known as Sheol or Hades comes up in 1 Enoch. And we read there in chapter 22, this is, this is what it says about Hades. It says, These hallow places have been created for this very purpose, that the spirits of the souls of the dead should assemble therein, yea, that all the souls of the children of men should assemble there. So you get the sense that everyone is going to Hades. That's the sense all the children of men, all their souls should assemble there. And these places have been made to receive them, until the day of judgment, until their appointed period, till the great judgment comes upon them. And so the idea is, yeah, whenever you die, you go to this place of the dead until at the final judgment everyone is resurrected and then you might go to some other place um, after that. And I think this basic idea is also what's kind of taught in the New Testament. You see again in the rich man and Lazarus, uh, the rich man dies, he goes uh, to Hades uh, and... Uh, Lazarus he goes to Abraham's bosom, and it it may be the case that um, even within Hades there was a distinction between those who uh, who had died in the Lord, those who were in a sort of blessed state, who were dead. They went to Abraham's bosom, and that might have been one part of Hades, and then the other part of it was uh, more of a place of punishment. And then you see in the New Testament that there's going to be a resurrection when Jesus returns. We're all going to be resurrected from the dead, and then uh, we're either going to be sent to the lake of fire, to hell, ultimately, or brought into the new creation to be with God forever. And so this idea of the lake of fire, then this picks up, I think, on the second word that's translated hell, which is the word Gehenna, uh, which comes from the Valley of Hinnom. And this seems to be in the Old Testament where kings sacrifice their children. And in the prophet Jeremiah says that it's a cursed place. Uh, some people think it may have been a, a rubbish dump um, a sort of fire that was continually going on in the time of Jesus. So whenever Jesus comes along and he he talks about hell, which he talks about quite a lot, he kind of picks up on this metaphor uh, of this place outside Jerusalem where everything was continually being burnt. And Jesus said that you know that is going to be sort of what people will face at after the judgment day. So hell, in a sense, in the in the New Testament uh, understanding. I think properly we should probably say hell comes at the end rather than saying whenever we die now people go to hell actually hell is a place that will exist in the future whenever jesus returns and judges the world uh, everyone will be resurrected and then the wicked will be sent to hell and then the last place then is the place tartarus uh, which seems to be a kind of prison for fallen angels so this is a place that you know the angels that were in heaven they fell uh, that's maybe where they went, and so I think it's helpful as we start off and we think about this topic of Christ's descent uh, into hell, just to distinguish those three parts.
1: Yeah, it, it is interesting to see those different uh, those different words, and and I guess the our English translations tend to tend to flatten out the distinctions from the place of the dead to Gehenna, this, this valley of Hinnom, this, this cursed place, uh, and then Tartarus, which is. I mean that's that's from Second Peter 2. He talks about the uh, the fallen angels who are held bound in chains, waiting for for judgment. Um, and Tart- I mean Tartarus is a is a, a concept from class- classical Greek that Peter's invoking. It's um if you've seen the uh, the Disney animated version of Hercules, whenever Hades you know, releases the the Titans from their their prison, that's the kind of idea. It's this um this abyss where the the, the fallen angels were imprisoned. Um, in classical Greek, thought it was where the the Titans were, uh, were were bound. Well, as you say, there there is this ambiguity, and it's that ambiguity exists in the the creed as well. Um, obviously, the you know the reformers were were mostly working with um, uh, the Latin version of the of the Apostles' Creed, and actually in the Latin version of the creed, what we translate as descended into hell. The word that's used there is totally different. Again, it's not Hades or Gehenna. It kind of means the the lower parts or the underworld, and and yeah, the, the the reformers disagreed on how to understand that that clause in the Apostles' Creed. They all wanted to hold to it. You know, if you're if you're trying to reform the church and you're trying to show that you're not uh, schismatics, you're not doing anything new. You're you're standing in the great traditions of the church. Uh, lopping off bits of the creed is not a good good way to go. Um, so they all wanted to to affirm the creed in its entirety but they had i guess different views on how to understand that section uh, so some of the reformers calvin and even the the framers of the of the Heidelberg catechism they they understood when it says that Jesus descended into hell that that was a a spiritual commentary on uh, what was happening to Jesus on the cross that that uh, as Jesus is physically crucified that he, he bears the kind of the, the hellish judgment against his people's sin and um, Jesus is is experiencing hell on the cross so to speak uh, so that's how calvin and some of the the german reformed thinkers understood that part of the creed some other people have, have historically tried to teach that it's it's a gloss on um on jesus being buried so jesus is buried he 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 goes down to the lower parts he, he's, he's put in the sepulchre that seems like a bit of a stretch because it's an unnecessary addition to to the creed to say the same thing twice and then others have maintained that, that jesus descent into hell not that he goes to hell to suffer, um, but that that on, after his death on the cross, he goes into hell to to declare and to demonstrate his, his victory over uh, Satan and his hosts over the powers of evil, uh, and that seems to be in the position of of Thomas Cranmer. So if you look at um in the forty two articles, fifteen fifty three, so the the articles that the Cranmer wrote under under Edward, there's a longer ending to article 3 so it says uh for his, his body was laying in the sepulchre until the resurrection but his ghost departing from him was with the ghosts that were in prison or in hell and did preach the same uh, preach to the same as the place in saint peter doth, doth testify uh so Cramer wrote in the article that that's jesus jesus died and his, his body was laying in the tomb but his spirit departed from his body and uh, went to preach to the the ghosts, the spirits who were in prison in hell. Uh, And he references um, uh, the place in St. Peter. Uh, It's 1 Peter 3, 18 to 20, where Peter writes, "Um, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when when God's patience waited in the days of Noah uh, while the ark was being prepared. In which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Um, so Cranmer obviously had that view that, that Jesus, Jesus' descent into hell was his his spirit going down to the the place of the dead and, um, declaring victory over the powers of, uh, of Satan, uh, the forces of Satan. That was that was enshrined in the the Articles 1553, but it caused a great deal of controversy. Uh, not everyone could get behind Cranmer's uh, understanding, and, and indeed it wasn't was 't something that the reformers ever seemed to have reached a consensus on uh, so then whenever the the articles were being reviewed in 15 uh, the early 1560s they they removed that that longer ending really to try and to try and reach a, an element of, of consensus within the church if these are the articles that all the ministers are going to sign up to then it's better to to only have what what's clearly taught and what everyone can uh, agree to in good conscience
0: yeah and I think um I think in terms of what we should you know how we should we should read this article I think at the very least um we should be able to say that Jesus uh, after he died his soul went to Hades because in Acts 2 whenever Peter is preaching um he says that he says there that um he refers to Psalm 16 where uh, in Psalm 16 King David had said you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy ones see corruption And the Apostle Peter sees this as a foreshadowing or a prophecy uh, about the resurrection of Jesus. And he says that he was, that God would not abandon uh, Christ to Hades, uh, nor did his flesh see corruption. And so the Apostle Peter pretty clearly sees that Jesus, uh, after he died, his soul went to Hades or the place place of the dead. And I think overall, just um, in terms of, my own personal perspective on this. I do think Cranmer's perspective probably makes the most amount of sense. Um, it takes the language in um 1 Peter 3, um sort of at, at, at fierce at face value really. Um, and I think the other the other view, certainly the view that um the descent into hell happened at the cross um is a little bit of a stretch, I think, of the of the language of the Creed. Because clearly, you know, in when, when the Creed lays out the secrets of events of Christ's life. It does so in chronological order. Um, And so to kind of go back after saying he died, was buried, to then go back uh, to his death on the cross again, seems like quite a strange sort of stretch. You also have statements in in 1 Peter 4 saying things like, uh, this was why the gospel was preached even to the dead, that though judged in the flesh like men, they might live in the flesh like God. And so the idea is sort of that Jesus died. uh, He went to Hades. And then uh, many would say, And you see this in the church fathers as well, that whenever he was in Hades, he did two things. Uh, First of all, he preached um, the sort of gospel, the the message of victory over the forces of evil to those who were in Hades. Uh, So he proclaimed his victory over them. And then secondly, he kind of uh, brought those who were in Abraham's bosom, those who were already in a blessed state in Hades, he brought them up with him through the power of his resurrection he brought them up with him into heaven and so Ephesians 4 tells us that when he ascended on high he led a host of captives which seems to pick up on this idea Uh, and Hebrews 11 verse 40 as well interestingly it says that the Old Testament saints will not be made perfect uh, without us and before us and also this idea seems to be widespread within the uh, early church fathers so Ignatius says that indeed that it was for this very reason why he whom they were waiting or they whom they were rightly awaiting came to visit them and raise them from the dead so the church fathers also pick up on this idea that that Jesus went to those uh, like Abraham uh, like Noah uh, like King David who were blessed but who were in this kind of blessed state in Hades and he raised them up to an even sort of better position and under that reading a verse like uh, Luke 23 43. Uh, where Jesus says, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The reading of that would be then that paradise is most likely referring to, again, the blessed state of those who have died in the Lord. So not exactly heaven, but a place like Abraham's bosom, from which Jesus then raised people up further.
1: So I suppose even if we're we're dealing with the, the slightly, slightly pared back uh, version of the article from 1563, it's still still helpful. There's still content there that's that's useful. I think we we're we're bound to read it in in a in a chronological sense, as you said, Ryan. It's clearly placed after the after the death and burial of Christ, and so it, it it's it still guards us from from some some errors, um, guards us from some errors that are that existed in the the ancient church, uh, some errors that were contemporary to the Reformation, and and actually some errors that are contemporary to. Uh, the twenty first century as well. So in the ancient church, you had uh, Apollinarianism, which we touched on a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Christology. Apollinarianism, Apollinarianism, rather is the idea that Jesus didn't have a a human soul. Um, that it was simply he had a human body and his his divine spirit was was uh, animating and driving that. But if we're affirming that Jesus had a a human soul that went down to uh, to the place of the of the dead, then that obviously rules out Apollinarianism and. There's evidence that, that this this section of the creed w- was used to to combat Apollinarianism in the early uh, centuries of the church. So it's it's been understood that way historically. During the time of the Reformation, you had um, some of the radical reformers who were really throwing out the, the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, um, and questioning lots of uh, established orthodoxy. They taught a couple of views. There's soul sleep, uh, psychopanicism, and Christian mortalism, or... or teneto teneto pass yeah. psychism uh, basically soul sleep is the idea that uh when you when you die when your body dies that your soul is is unconscious and unaware of anything until the resurrection uh, christian mortalism is is slightly different it's the idea that your uh when your body dies your soul dies as well and is then reconstituted at the resurrection but if we're saying that that's if we're affirming that jesus uh went to the place of the dead um, that he descended to Hades after his his physical death, and obviously that's that's something that he that he does that he's aware of, and his spirit hasn't hasn't ceased to exist or anything like that in the uh, in the intervening period before the resurrection. Uh, it's interestingly, there's actually in the forty two articles, there's a whole article uh, condemning those two errors. So it was obviously something that was quite live and taken very seriously by Cranmer and the English reformers, at least whenever the the forty two articles were written, uh, and then it also helps us deal with some uh, some more modern errors so we might think of, of materialism the idea that we are i guess materialism more broadly is the idea that the only thing that exists is the material world uh, and then whenever we think of of human consciousness uh, of our minds uh, a materialist would say that we are we are just our bodies uh, that our minds are are exactly coextensive with our, our brains um there's a quote from Richard Dawkins i wasn't able to find it but he, he talks about Christianity in the afterlife is based on the, the ludicrous idea that our minds can survive the, the death of our brains. That's a, that's a materialist stance. Atheists tend to be materialists, but, the, but there is actually a, there's a new stream of, of Christian materialism where people have tried to argue that we are, our soul is somehow um, really coextensive with our, our bodies and our brains. Um, but if we're affirming that Jesus has a human spirit and indeed that, that all humans have a human spirit, um, then we'd have to uh, disagree with materialism. There there was an interesting um, an excerpt. There's a book being written by a guy called Joshua Farris. Um, not, not Joshua Harris, who will probably not be quoting on the, the podcast. Um, Joshua Farris entitled An Introduction to Theological Anthropology. And you can read an excerpt from that on the a blog called The North American Anglican. It's entitled Am I a Body or a Soul? We'll post the, the link to that in the show notes. I'm basically arguing that there, there's good biblical reason to to believe that we are we are body and soul. We don't simply cease to exist uh, when we when we die to be reconstituted at the resurrection, but we are uh, bodies and souls, and we can exist beyond our physical death. And certainly, uh, the articles in the creed require us to to affirm that Jesus has a human soul uh, like the rest of us, and shed some light on on uh, on where Jesus' soul went, what he was doing after between his death on the cross and his resurrection. There's another great book on that. A little book called Am I Just My Brain? by Sharon Dirks. Um, So you can look into those for maybe a broader consideration of uh, human anthropology and soul, body, brain distinction.
0: I think um, we can be tempted, I think we can be tempted towards, I suppose on one hand, a kind of Gnostic sense that would maybe play down the importance of our bodies and we'd see Maybe the the true self, the real self, the inner self is just our soul um, without understanding that our bodies are a really important part of our identity and who we are. Uh, And then maybe another temptation for those who want to kind of get away from those Gnostic notions is to embrace one of these kind of Christian materialist um, notions that would maybe sense, you know, say that we we are just our bodies. Um, I think beautifully you see it um, in... uh, the Book of Common Prayer's service for a Holy Communion, uh, where we receive the the body of the Lord, we receive the blood of the Lord, and the words um, that are said by the minister are, you know, may these preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. And we see figures like Thomas Cranmer had, had a holistic view of who we are um, as people. We are both our bodies and our souls, and I suppose that's really reinforced for us in the physical death of Jesus on the cross, his burial. His soul descends into Hades, uh, but then is resurrected, body and soul, gloriously, on Easter Sunday.
1: I think that's a helpful corrective as well. Sometimes we think of heaven as a kind of disembodied state where we all be, you know, sitting on on clouds playing harps. We're all going to heaven, lads. Wait. But but clearly the the terminus of of the Bible, the terminus of redemptive history, is a, a new creation and a glorified physically resurrected humanity so so humanity's our our bodies are not a bad thing uh matter is not a not a bad thing it's a good thing it's 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 god's god's idea it's god's plan for us and so even to be paul says you know to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord but that's not that's a good thing paul says it's better than than being here now in this fallen world but but the even better thing to come is to be to be reunited with our glorified resurrection bodies in the new creation with Christ.
0: Amen. Okay, so we'll just uh, wrap things up there then. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far, then we'd love it if you could uh, give us a like on iTunes. And also if you could leave us a review, we so far don't have any reviews um, on iTunes. So it'd be wonderful if someone could come along. Uh, You'd be doing us a great favor if you could leave us a positive review. But as we uh, close, why don't um, we pray the collect for Easter Easter saturday let's pray grant o lord that we who are baptized into the death of thy blessed son our savior jesus christ so by the continual mortifying of our corrupt affections we may be buried with him and that through the grave and gate of death we may pass into the joyful resurrection for his merits who died and was buried and rose again for us thy son jesus christ our lord